Somebody's counting down. That's great. Hi, everybody. It's great to have you here. Happy Father's Day again to all you dads. Uh, thank you for being a dad, and I just want to challenge you to uh, take that responsibility serious. You're the greatest influencer of your kids. Uh, but anyway, enjoy the day. It's great to have you. I want to welcome everybody, everybody else who's watching us online. Thank you for joining us as well. We are in this series. We're actually coming to an end uh, soon, but uh, it's been a great series calling about, uh, talking about things that are deeper. And here's what's really interesting. I think in, in Christianity, and this can happen to all of us, that sometimes we just want to know more. We, we want to know more. And maybe the first time you heard about the Ark of the Covenant, you thought, what's the Ark of the Covenant? And you want to know, wow, there was a gold box. And, and wow, God had some very specific, absolute specific way to make this, how it was going to be made, and the seraphim on it, and they're covered with gold, and these sticks that hold it, and what's going to go inside of this ark, and that's where the presence of God would be taken, and then they would build the tabernacle, and like everything, all the details of that tabernacle being made, and then going to the temple, and how all of that, God was very specific on how to make the temple, and what sizes, and what kind of materials to go in there, and stuff, and that stuff can be really, really interesting, and sometimes we don't mean anything negative by it, but sometimes we refer to those things as deeper. What we're saying is, you know, I, I just want to go deeper into the Bible and I want to know more stuff. And in this series, we're kind of making a, a, a difference between deeper and detailed because just because we learn more detail of the Bible doesn't necessarily mean that all of those things really qualify with deeper, at least the definition of deeper that we're using in this series, and I think spiritually speaking, we would probably all agree with this, that deeper is a, the, the profound spiritual truth, just, just this, this profound spiritual truth that is meaningful, awe-inspiring, relationship-building, and life-changing. The Ark of the Covenant is cool. Not life-changing. It's really not. It's, it's not moving. It's, it, it's not life-changing. It's not so important to our lives and our walk with God. But there are things that are truly, truly deep in the Bible. That The things about God are, are, so, are so deep that we, we will spend the rest of our lives just in awe of, of this magnificent thing. And, and already we talked about just the fact that God wants to be with us. I mean, that, that is so awe-inspiring. We could just soak in that for the rest of our lives. God of the universe wants to be with us. Or even that God wants to live in us. It's just absolutely amazing that how could we ever understand that? But the thing about deep is usually, most of the time, deep is also very simple. It doesn't have to be, but usually... These very deep things are very, very simple. They're, they're not complicated. There's not a lot of detail in them, but they are just awe-inspiring, and they are really, really extremely deep. So going forward, when you and I use the terminology, like we're in a Bible study or something, we want to go deeper, maybe we should clarify. It's just helpful so we don't give the wrong impression that we want to go more detail. I, I want to learn more stuff. Not necessarily deeper, because some of the deepest things of God aren't a lot of detail. Not, not at all. And today, I want to talk about incredible, incredible deep thing of God, and that is that God saves us. You think about that. God saves us. Interesting thing about this 
terminology or Jesus saves. I've seen those banners around and maybe you have too. When I, before I was really a follower of Jesus, before I trusted in Jesus, I was maybe a religious person, but I had no idea about what Jesus was all about. And, and I had heard this phrase several times. As a matter of fact, uh, people have told me, you know, that God saves you or Jesus died for you. I'll be honest with you. When, when I first heard those terminologies, I was pretty unmoved, but I thought, oh, well, that's cool. I honestly thought when, when, when I heard the first few several times somebody say, Jesus died for you, I honestly thought, oh, what are you going to do that for? You know, uh, John Smith in 1412 died for you. Oh, well, that's cool. I don't even know him. You know, like, honestly, I just, kind of, and maybe, maybe some of you are there, like, yeah, I've heard the term, Jesus died for me. You know, God saves us. Okay, and it doesn't go further than that. That's where I was until I understood what this thing called Christianity is all about. Until I understood what the whole Old Testament really proclaimed or was looking forward to. All the law and the prophets pointed to this thing. And the whole New Testament is all about describing this amazing, amazing thing about being saved. That God saving us, Jesus dying for us, didn't mean anything until I understood what this was truly all about. And I I know many of us know this, and maybe we've all heard this, but to really allow the awe of this to sink in today is life-changing. It is absolutely life-changing. I'm just going to read some scripture, and I tell you, we could just read through the whole New Testament, but uh, it just explains. And when we understand where we are and where God is, this is an amazing, amazing thing. Talking about Romans here, and and, uh, what's interesting about the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, that he had never been to Rome. He didn't write this church to correct any any, any kind of problems that they had in church. He, he didn't write this to, uh, you know, like I was there once and, and you guys are getting off or doing that. He wrote this just pretty much as, hey, you're Christians, this is Christian. This is, this is one of the most Christian doctrine letters in the Bible. That it's very, very, this is what Christianity is about. And, and Paul is sharing that with, that with that church. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, that is the good news about Jesus Christ, what is in the Bible, in the New Testament, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. He's saying, hey, this is the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am proud of the gospel. I want everybody to hear the gospel because it is all about the righteousness of God that comes to us through faith. And he's going to say what it doesn't come through and the things that kind of especially Jewish people were struggling with, but I think a lot of us do. He says this, therefore, no one will be declared righteous or right with God, right in God's sight, by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. All of us have heard 
The Ten Commandments are good. We all know that. The Ten Commandments are from God. And, make no mistake about it, God wants us to follow the Ten Commandments. But what the Ten Commandments are not about is you and I following them to be right with God. As a matter of fact, what Paul is saying here, and he says it again a couple chapters later, he says this, the Ten Commandments are given so that we will all know for sure we can't follow them. that's, That's what he's saying here. He says, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. See, we can fool ourselves sometimes, and we can think, well, I'm better than my brother, therefore I'm as good as God, right? Or we can start thinking, well, no, I'm not as good as God, but at least I'm good enough. You know, yeah, I follow, I've never killed anybody, or I've never, you know, cheated on my spouse, or I never did that, or whatever. And even if you had done that, we excuse it kind of like, well, I don't do that anymore. And sometimes we can start feeling pretty good about ourselves. But what Paul is saying in this, this is, this is just the relationship with God, the character of God. That the law was given so that every one of us would understand we can't keep it. We will never be right with God by following the law. I don't want to move on. Do we get that? This would mean yes. Do you get that? We will never be good enough. And just so we're not fooled, Paul says, that's why God gave us the Ten Commandments. So you won't be fooled and think you're all that. You're not all that. He goes on. But now, just let this sink in. We've got to understand. This is so incredibly deep. He says, but now, apart from the law, apart has nothing to do with the law. The righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. We're all pointing to this. This righteousness is given as a gift, and the Bible talks a lot about a gift, and if you earned it, it wouldn't be a gift. He says, uh, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. (laughs) Be like classroom. How do we get it? By faith in Jesus. How are we made right with God? By observing the law? No, 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 no. By faith in Jesus. And we should all repeat that, but we're not going to. I get right with God by faith in Jesus. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Why? For all, everyone have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified, made right with God, freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Christianity is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. I don't know why everybody doesn't want to understand this Christian thing that Jesus Christ came to make us right with God by His effort, not ours. By putting our faith in Him, we are made right with God. Woo-hoo! I mean, that, that, is, that is darn exciting. That is absolutely exciting. Why wouldn't everybody want a relationship with God when it's not on our effort, but it's on our belief in Jesus that He did it all for us? He says, where then is boasting? Where then? Where can you and I think of something? Or where can we boast in that I'm really good? Is, is, it, is boasting excluded? Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, absolutely not. And we can't boast in that I'm better than you and I'm better than you or I follow this more than you. Uh, he says, no, because 
of the law that requires faith. Because of the law that requires faith, there's no boasting. Why? Because it has nothing to do with our effort. I'm no better than you, and you're no better than me. There's nothing in me. Yeah, I'm holy. No, you're not. Well, that sounded smart, Alecky. No, you're not. Is that better? Does that go down better? You're not maybe as holy as you think you are. Just really relook at it, okay? There's no boasting because it's not about performance. It's about uh, faith. And he says, apart from the works of the law. Apart from the law. We, 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 this is the, the deepest thing to absolutely, that God saves us. God doesn't tell us to save ourselves. God doesn't give us a way that makes sure you watch it. No, that God does the work, that He saves us, that He sent Jesus into this world to sacrifice Himself so that you and I could be cleansed from our sin and know God and be with God forever. It is the work of Jesus and not our work. Wow, is that cool. I don't know, some of you probably get it, but let me, we, we did this illustration several years ago, uh, but maybe you weren't here for that. I'm going to just try to give you kind of an illustration. It's not perfect, but uh, try to give you an illustration of what the Bible is telling us and how incredible this is, that um, Jesus is God, right? And Jesus and God can have a relationship. They are one. Jesus said so many times, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. It just describes that they are both perfect and holy, no blemish, no you know, uh, kind of evil in them at all. They have this incredible relationship in one another and because they are both per- perfect and holy. This is us. You and I were created in God's image to have a perfect relationship with God, fulfilled Him and us and us and Him. But there's a little problem. The Bible says that every single one of us choose to do wrong. Every time you and I make a decision to do wrong, that we are unrighteous, that we are we are black, every sin we've ever done. And we all have. I mean, every one of us, we know that's why the law was given so that we would realize every time you and I sin, every time we are doing something that is not righteous, the Bible says that everything, if we fail to do anything that is right to do, it is called sin. And we are absolutely black. Our sin makes us black Our sin makes us dead. This is the state of mankind. And God didn't tell us, here's a law, you follow it to stay clean. We can't do that. We should repeat that in your your head. We can't do that. So it's kind of like we are hopeless. God would love to have a relationship with mankind. He wants to, but He can't. These two cannot mix. How in the world can God have fellowship with sin? How could we be one? God could not remain pure, holy in who He is, righteous God, and be connected and united with us in our fallen state. Jesus came. This is where God saves us. It is God's plan 
that Jesus would come, pure and holy, and he would take upon himself, that Jesus would take upon himself every sin of mankind. All of our sin that Jesus took, as if he himself committed it, he took it completely, he took it wholly, he took today, tomorrow, and forever sin upon himself. He, at that point, could not have fellowship with his Father. On the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That relationship was broken. He was distant from God as he took our sin. And he took that sin, and he died, and he was buried. The Bible says that he went to hell. He preached to all of those waiting for a Savior. And by the power of God, he was raised from the dead, pure and holy and clean again. For all eternity, it is the power of God and his sacrifice that he took for us. And I know that many of us understand a lot of this, but as, as we receive what Jesus did for us, we are cleansed. And because we are cleansed, we now have a relationship again through Jesus Christ that we are clean. We are absolutely clean by what Jesus did for us. He cleaned us. We now have a relationship with the Father. Back to Him and Him and us and Jesus in Him and us in them, that this is what Christianity is about, that we have a relationship with God. As God looks at my life, and this is hard for you guys to believe if you know me, God looks at me and he says this, Kevin, I see you as as holy and pure as my own son. I see you as cleansed as Jesus himself. I see you in my very own perfection now, I know that I am not perfect, but because of what Jesus did, this is how my spirit is absolutely cleansed by what Jesus did. And you may, you may ask, but what about, what about other sins? What, what about, well, I still sin. I've been a Christian for a while, and I, I still sin. You and I still sin, but no longer does it go in our jar. No longer is it counted to us, but is it counted to Jesus. And every sin that we do goes into Jesus. And by the power of Jesus Christ, they are cleansed. They are done away with. There is no longer any sin problem between us and God. No longer does it keep us from God. This whole idea of God saves us, it is all of what Jesus does. He was delivered over to death for our sins. That's deep. God sent His Son to be delivered over to death for our sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that, and we, so that we could be the righteousness of God, that He was delivered for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. He came back to life that we are justified and we are free. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith. You and I that have put our trust in what Jesus did for us, we are clean before God. We have access to God totally and fully. That there is nothing between us and God anytime. But here's the the human dilemma. Every one of us struggle with this. It is part of our nature. It is, I don't know, our own guilt that we put on ourselves. It is how we are brought up. It is, it is religious training, maybe. I don't know. Off, But we all have this idea or this, this thought that, well, I'm cleansed as long as I keep trying. Who told you that? There's no, there's no such thing as that. Well, I, I stay cleansed as long as I keep trying. Keep trying to do what? Keep trying to go back to a law that doesn't save us anyway? This is a real dilemma you and I sit with, that we struggle with. And that is that, well, well, I can't sin anymore. I, can't, I have responsibility of staying clean. I know that we all think that. I know that we're taught that. But here's what we need to understand about this whole concept And I know it's deep, but we need to understand this. That is, we are saved to do good works. There is no doubt about it. That God wants us to do good works. God wants us to follow Him, to represent Him. God wants us to work, help building the kingdom of God. God wants us. He has saved us to do good works that He has planned a long time ago for you and I to be engaged in, for you and I to live, for you and I to to act and be and do in a certain way that God, that is God's will for our lives. He wants us to. Definitely, make no mistake about it, that's what He wants for each one of us. But we need to understand this. Even though we are saved to do good works, we are not saved by good works. Focus on that till you get it. What if I'm not doing my good works? Thank God you're not saved by them. Are you doing much for God? Probably not. Are you accomplishing much? Probably not. But are you saved and cleansed in the relationship with God? Absolutely. We are called to do good works. You read the Bible, there's a lot of things in there about, hey, you know what, I urge you to act like this and represent yourselves. Don't live like those people. Don't. That, that's all true stuff. But it has nothing to do with being saved and cleansed. That was done by Jesus from first to last. We are called to do good works, but we are not saved by good works at all. We do not remain saved by good works. We remain saved by our faith in Jesus. I know sometimes we think, well, what about the really, really bad sins? The really bad ones. And I know this one comes up all the time. Every time we do a question and answer thing, somebody always asks, what if you commit suicide? What if you commit suicide? That's a sin, you know. If you commit suicide, that sin goes into Jesus himself. And we are still cleansed, still saved. We're dead, but we're still saved and we're still cleansed. We're still united with God. I'm going to tell you what the Bible clearly says, that there is only one sin 
There is only one sin you and I can do to not experience this. And that is to reject this. If you and I or any human being rejects what Jesus did, we cannot be saved. We cannot be with God. That is the sin that is unforgivable. There is no other salvation. How can we expect to be saved? There is not. But here's our dilemma, and I guess most of us here have probably done this. Most of us here have felt, well, I'm having an affair right now. I can't go to God. I feel dirty. But are you? I'm not promoting this one bit, but I'm going to get to a point that really matters. You're having an affair, so you stay away from God because somehow we go back to the law again and think, but I'm not right with God right now. Here's what we think, all of us. As soon as I stop my affair, I will go back and have a relationship with God. As soon as I stop my drug addiction, I will go back and have a relationship with God. As soon as I finish getting away with lying on my taxes, I will go back and have a relationship with God. Do you realize when you and I stay away from God because we are aware of our sin, here's what we're doing? Not right now, Jesus. You're not enough. When you and I believe and live in the fact that I am not going to, I don't feel right having a relationship with God, you're right. You shouldn't. You aren't right to have a relationship with God except for Jesus. And any time that we think, well, I'm not good enough to really know God. I know I'm saved. I don't know. That's a weird one. But really, are you? if we understand that this, when we don't, I'll finish a sentence in just a second. When we... When we, when we think I am not worthy to be with God, this is what we're doing. What's that the same as? It's the same as rejecting what Jesus did for us. You know, this is hard for most of us to get. This is the deepest thing in the Bible to understand that God saves us, not us. We don't save us. And when we think that, well, I have to act in a certain way to be with God, we are actually rejecting what Jesus did. I'm not saying that we should just keep encouraging. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, hey, the more I sin, the more grace of Jesus is applied to me. Hey, the more I have an affair, the more I'm a drug addict, the more I steal, the more I do that, the more grace is applied to me. That's true. That is absolutely true. But don't be stupid and do it. Yes, I just said stupid. Don't be stupid and do it. That's exactly what Paul says. Hey, listen. Yeah, it doesn't affect your righteousness with God. But why should we keep on trying to sin even though we're forgiven from it? Why should we? We can, but that would be dumb to do. We don't want to do that. Here's another thing. So this is dangerous when we actually think we're not right with God because of a sin. It's really saying Jesus wasn't enough. But the opposite is just as true. 
many times, especially if you've been a Christian for many years, we start to believe, I'm good enough to have a relationship with God. We probably won't tell somebody, but in our heart, well, I feel righteous to be with God. I've been a Christian for so my life. I don't even say poopy. I'm clean. Do you know what happens when you and I start to think like that? We're saying Jesus didn't do it. We're saying Jesus didn't do it. I did. You know where that leaves us? same place it left us at the beginning. If we reject it, what Jesus did for us, there's no other salvation. None of us would probably say, I'm saved by my good works. We would never say that. But when we start having an attitude on the inside, I can be close with God, and I can go to church, and I can pray to God, and he listens to me because I'm good. Where's Jesus in that? Where is he in that? That we are made clean by Jesus. We will always be clean. We will stay clean by our faith in Jesus. The Bible warns us of this. Don't turn away from your faith. You know what? So many times we think, well, don't start seeing again. I might not be saved. The Bible doesn't even refer to that at all. The Bible refers to this. Don't turn away from your faith. Don't start thinking that you sin too much for Jesus to cleanse you. Don't do that because he won't be of any advantage to you. And don't start thinking that you're good enough to be with God. Can't do that either. This is a profound mystery. One of the deepest things. We can't even understand how can I be so clean It is so deep that God is the one who saves us, not us. God is the one who keeps us saved, not us. But I want to encourage you in this. As long as we put our faith in Jesus, you know what the whole advantage of that was? So we could have a relationship with God. So we could be with God and experience God. His presence would always be with us. We could feel his power and his love through all the difficulties of life. Staying close to God and having him be in us and us in him in that relationship. I want to encourage you if your faith is in Jesus, you have the freedom and the right. We have total access to God. Let's live in a relationship with God. I, uh, I think as we try to understand this, it is truly deeper. I know that this has been confused in many of our lives. I I know it has. And I know that you're going to, even going forward, you will be challenged with, yeah, but I can't sin on purpose. You shouldn't, but you will. I I love it when people say, I hear it all the time, that it is, well, you know, God, God will forgive my sins that if I do them by accident, but he's not going to forgive a sin if I do it on purpose. Do you know that most of the sins you do, you choose to do? Okay? Just so you know. It's not a cop-out. Well, I did that by accident. No, you chose to, okay? We, we, we choose to sin. So don't make that's a worse sin than the sins you do by accident. It's not worse. 
Jesus cleansed us from first to last. We are saved by God through Jesus Christ to know him and experience him. And I just want to end with this as we, as I lead us in a prayer in just a moment. Do you know why we always pray in Jesus' name? You ever notice? You probably do it too. And I say all this to you, Father, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Do you know why we do that? Do you know what we're saying in Jesus' name? What that means is this. I am talking to you, God, because of what Jesus did. I am talking to you, Father. We are in your presence, Father, because of what Jesus did. Not because of my righteousness and not because I have sin or no sin. Or we are talking to you, Father, in the name of Jesus because he's the one that gives us free access to you. It is his work that makes me be able to talk to you from first to last, from today throughout eternity. It is all because of Jesus that God saves us. Let's pray. Father, it's very simple. Not a lot of working parts, but incredibly deep. That you would take upon yourself the penalty and the ugliness and the, the rebellion and all the sin you would take upon yourself so that you could righteously judge it where it belongs and give us by a free gift righteousness with you through Jesus. I pray that we would never complicate this. I pray that we wouldn't have to add to it or take from it. That it is what it is. It is incredibly simple. It doesn't need to be confusing. But it's very, very deep. Help us to sit in that, to, to understand that, to ponder this. So we believe and believe and believe. Thank you, Father. We come to you and we pray to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.